0: The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. Bam 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 bam. So you know, i was just uh, I was talking to um, Marco off the air just for a second about um Again, I don't want to mention my birthday because I had a couple people say, you were obnoxious how much you mentioned your birthday. But I I talk about how my birthday is around Christmas, and it's impossible to do things. Everyone's got family things that weekend, so I'm actually getting a couple of buddies up to come up by me Um, this coming weekend, a week from this Saturday, the 14th for the, uh, the Wild Card Weekend. I'm just going to go to this bar up by me. They have a golf simulator. We're going to make a day of it. And just hang out. And that's like that's how I'll hang out with my buddies for my 40th. So I was talking about that, and I was thinking about that. And then that leads me to the the Barstool simulator thing. I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, what's his name? Jerry, I forget what they call him now. You know, Fliegelman, This you know his name now? Anyway, Jerry from Barstool. Uh, he's like the Steelers fan that actually became famous screaming about a Steelers game. Anyway, he works for Barstool. And he just spent like 36 hours trying to get a hole-in-one on a simulator. And he took, like, over 2,000 swings. And it was huge. It was huge on the internet. It was huge on Twitter. It, like, took all of us, like, we were all infatuated watching it, waiting for him to actually do it. And it just dawned on me. Like, Barstool, whatever you might think of Barstool, it's amazing just the simplistic nature of things they're able to capture that get us all in into it and involved and interested. I mean, you're talking about some of their most successful things. Like this thing kind of took over. It's him hitting a ball into a, a a simulator. It's 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 pizza reviews. It's two non-fighters who can't fight throwing punches at each other. It's like these are the things that they've tapped into and it's it's amazing I because like i I was thinking about it one time like the golf simulator really had me thinking about the simplic the simplistic nature of things that we don't like we never tapped into that were obvious like or it's just guys sitting around watching a game talking whatever they want to talk talking gambling talking nonsense yelling at each other busting each other's balls like we all do and just putting a camera on it and everybody gets involved like a lot of people should I say their their clientele a lot of people get involved in it and it's amazing to me like because Watching him hit that ball into the golf simulator over and over again, and nobody really—I don't think many people sat there and watched over and over again. But we were intrigued, and we were waiting. We check in on every once in a while, see where he is. Like it's just because you get into that stuff. Like I—I I know us as, as particularly just to say it. Like me as a, as guys, we mess around. Like I'll never forget. It was—I think it was like right before one of my buddies' weddings, and it wasn't necessarily a bachelor party, but we were looking for something to do. And it was winter time, and we just got a, a hotel room, a place, or or we rented out something in Montauk in the winter. It was cheap. I, I grew up in Long Island. It was cheap. It was winter time. It's off season. We went to Montauk and got like a big room, a big hot- a big you know place with a couple bed bedrooms and stuff. Whatever, just a couple guys just to hang out, drink, play cards, whatever. And I'll never forget we were playing beer pong in the house, and. The ball, you know, off a missed shot or whatever, rolled out, and we had the, there was a deck, and to the deck was a sliding glass door. And the sliding glass door was opened pretty much just the exact amount, or just the exact width of a ping pong ball. And as, you know, just one shot went awry, the ping pong ball rolled out and fit perfectly right through the the glass door and rolled out onto the deck. And we were just like amazed that what are the odds that, I mean, I bet you we could be here all night trying to get that thing through the door and it would never happen. And thus began the five hour trial and tribulations of attempting to replay that ping pong ball going through the door. And we sat there all night. Taking turns, drinking, BSing, whatever, and trying to get this ping pong ball to go directly through the door in this slap. And I can't, re- I don't think we ever got it done. I think we woke up the next morning and tried it for a little bit and then gave up. But like, we spent hours just messing around attempting to get this ping pong ball through the door. It never dawned on me to put a camera on it and that people would actually be interested and care about something so trivial as a bunch of idiots trying to throw a ping-pong ball through a screen door or some guy just taking golf swings into a simulator trying to get a hole-in-one. And yet it became absolute, you know, trending on Twitter became a huge thing. Like the simplistic nature that... We take for granted like that because we had a blast doing that for five hours. We had a blast to see who would be the first one to get it through the door. But I never thought, you know, I have to paint this. Like I never thought to put a camera on it and to make a thing of it and use it as content. And that's why, as although it's on some levels dumb, or on some levels, extremely simplistic. It's perfect. Like it's amazing to me that I was that like that's the kind of thing they're able to tap into. A million different things, and you know, you could feel however you want about Portnoy or whatever. I'm not here to, to not here to tell you everyone's the the greatest person, or I love this one, or I love that one, or even that I, I focus that much on barstool. But this kind of thing that they tap into, it was it just fascinated me. It fascinated me how many people were involved in watching this thing. And if you didn't see, he finally got it after his 2,600 attempt or something like that. He got the hole-in-one. But that is such just dudes, to quote Tommy Lugower. That is dudes doing dudes things. And I never would have thought to put a camera on it. And I've done stupid stuff like that for hours on end just all the time. I mean, we always have, like, you know, you'd find something like that. You'd be doing it forever. Trying to get a ping pong ball through a door. I have a million scenarios like that throughout my childhood with the guys, and you know, it's just it was funny to me that it tapped into that. It made me feel like that's so simple and perfect. But if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It was fun. He was his body was failing him. Like it's a lot of swings of the golf club. All right, that's enough of that. I was that's a sidetrack kind of thing, but it just brought me back to my uh, my younger days. Drinking in Montauk, throwing ping-pong balls around a hotel room. 877-337-6666. All right, while we were talking, while I was yelling about how much the Giants should lose and all this stuff, we, we do have some baseball, another baseball report, which unfortunately is all we have. We don't have any signings. We don't have any actual news. But, boy, do we have reports. After the—well, re- that's not fair. I guess we do have the Bader signings. We mentioned earlier the Mets signed another Yankee, which became a talking point, which I don't really—in all fairness, I'm the Yankee fan, and I could poke fun at some of the Mets fans and have a little laugh at, oh, how many Yankees are you going to—you got the Yankee manager, you got the Yankee starting pitcher, you got—now you got Yankee center fielder. I mean, those really are the two big moves right now of the Mets offseason, I suppose, is Bader and Severino. Um, But— and they're, they were even attached to Gio Shella for a time. I don't know if that's still a thing, but I don't really care about it. I think it's silly. I think it's just these are players that fit what they're looking for necessarily. I mean, they're looking for a high, high, uh, low risk, high reward, high ceiling pitcher. I mean, that's, that's literally Severino is the epitome of that. And Bader, they talk about trying to, you know, limit uh, runs, and if they're not going to do it pitching-wise, they're going to do it defensive-wise. He's a tremendous defensive center fielder, and he does hit left-handed pitching to a tune of about a 900-plus OPS. So it makes sense, but it's just not what you're looking for. It's not the impact moves this offseason needs to be about. But, hey, everyone's still available. They still have Soler is available. They still have multiple options they still have multiple options at, at DH. Like, they're, they're, it's not over, but it just feels like they're talking about, like, if, if things fall in their lap, fine. But other than that, we'll see. Like, I hate that. I, I just hate the way they're going about it. They need to do something. Steve Cohen needs to wake up. I'm sorry. Not everything's perfect. You might have a signing that ends up being a disaster. So what? Having disaster signings and eating them is exactly why you have Steve Cohen. Like, we all joke about how many disasters the Yankees have had, how many terrible signings Brian Cashman has had. You know what? You eat them, you move on, you still win 90-plus games, and you're in the playoffs. Like, that's what you do. But that's the one signing we had. But obviously, the Yankees have been linked to, earlier in the day, Snell. And I talked about that yesterday, and we'll get into it for a little bit. But I do want to just talk about this most recent thing, is Ken Rosenthal is reporting that the Yankees have checked in and are making serious offers on Dylan Cease, the uh, ace starting pitcher of the Chicago White Sox, which surprises me a little bit. And I'll tell you why. One, it's it's he's linking them and the Baltimore Orioles as the two teams that have been the most uh, intrigued and the most aggressive in trying to make offers or have communications with the White Sox about Dylan Cease. And simplistically, just right off of that, the Baltimore Orioles are in a far better position to make a trade. If they are determined to go get Dylan Cease, which makes sense for the Orioles, they don't have to spend a lot of money. I believe he's owed $25 million for the next two years before he becomes a free agent. Or um, So the, he's. you've got years of control with him. He's not making a lot of money. He's an excellent starting pitcher. And they have so many young, talented prospects that haven't even come up yet to an already young and talented team that won 100 games this year. Like, they are in much more prime position and much more motivated because they're not in the market for a Snell. They're not in the market for a Montgomery. They're not going to spend that money. If they're going to add a starting pitcher, which they desperately need, if they want to compete, which is the question, I'm assuming they do, but if they want to compete, they need starting pitching, and the trade market and the trade avenue is really their only way to go out to get an impact starter. And this is a, a young kid who's really talented, not making a lot of money for the next handful of years. And they have plenty of prospects, way more. Maybe not way more than every team, but way more than the Yankees, who just depleted their pitching, certainly uh, in, their, in their market, uh, in their uh, farm system, going out and trading for Juan Soto and Verdugo. So they're in a much better position than the New York Yankees. But I love the idea. That the Yankees are looking at the trade market. I'm hoping that Rosenthal just got a whiff of this, but that they're just as big on uh Burns from Milwaukee because that's the that's who I want. But I, I I would go out and get. I think Cease makes a lot of sense, but I just don't know. Are you willing to give up some of the top or echelon players? I know the report yesterday from Duquette was was um, a real doozy of a trade for Cease, where it would be. You know, um, Jason Dominguez, um, you know, S- Spencer Jones, who's their top prospect right now, a six foot nine outfielder. Like, I don't know if I want to be trading away, certainly not Dominguez. They're not trading Dominguez for anyone. But, I mean, do you really want to go out and, and trade away your number one prospect? Plus, it's going to take more than that. I mean, you could, could you trade Wells as your catcher? Is he someone you could put in this deal? Like, if it's Spencer Jones, um, Wells and a and a you know a, a Will Warren or or another starting pitching prospect like are you going to give all of that up? That's a lot, and that's why I'm much more inclined to go get the short term ace like a Burns, where I feel like I'm all in for 24. It's a less because he's a free agent at the end of the year. I don't care if he's one of Cy Young. It's going to be a less of a package than a young controllable pitcher. Who had who led the league in sword last year, which is a new stat I hadn't heard until yesterday. You know, ugly swing, ugly swings from opposing hitters. So he I think he was top of the list. He had a bunch of ugly swings. He's got swing and miss stuff. He's a a dominant guy. And he would f- be great for any team, but you have to give up a ton to get him. I'm not sure what you have to give up to go get Burns. Plus, I think less teams would be in on it. I don't think Baltimore. Like, say, the Orioles, for example, because they're the ones using the, C, in the Dylan Cease thing. Like, they have tons of prospects. They'd be more suited to go get Burns, too, if they chose to. But do they want to go trade their assets for a one-year pitcher that they have no chance signing in free agency? Like, they're not in the Burns situation. They're not in that market. A young, controllable starter? Yes, you have to compete with the Orioles of the world. You're not going to have to compete with the Orioles of the world for a uh, Cy Young Award winner who's going to be a free agent in a year. Like I don't think the Orioles are in on that. I don't think some of the lesser teams or some of the cheaper teams are in on that. So I think if Milwaukee does decide to move him, I think the Yankees, despite the fact they just traded away a lot of their um, you know, depth inside the organization, considering the amount of teams that might even be in on it, I think they have a better chance than going to give up everything they have left, all of their big time prospects this side of Volpe and Dominguez, uh, it, uh, Peraza, Pereira, Wells, Jones. Like I'm, I don't know if I want to give up all of those for Dylan Cease and just completely de- deplete my farm system when maybe just maybe a Peraza and you know a Peraza and a couple of pitchers in the top twenty or a uh, Peraza Pereira is enough to just go get Burns. I'd rather do that. I'd rather go do that and not have to give up Spencer Jones. Not that not to have to even have the question about Dominguez. Like that's better suited for me with the New York Yankees. But Rosenthal is out there telling us that the Yankees are in on Dylan Cease. Uh, obviously, Andy Martini. Uh, Andy Martini. I, I could go for a Martini. Andy Martino is telling us they're in on Snell, and that was the talk of the day today. The Yankees are much more in on Snell than possibly Montgomery. At least that's what. Andy Martino would tell you. I watched the Yankee hot stove, and Jack Curry made me think something else. He kind of made it seem like he was talking about the innings of, of Montgomery and the stability of Montgomery. I told you yesterday I was starting to change my mind on Snell. Initially, Snell was not a player I was interested in with the New York Yankees. Yes, he's won multiple Cy Youngs, but in between those Cy Youngs, the years have kind of been ah, eh, They have not been very good. He's wild. He walks a lot of guys, but he gets a lot of swings and misses. He's one of the hardest pitchers to hit. He had a, two, he had a two-something ERA. He was excellent last year, worthy of a Cy Young. And I think it's a little misguided. He actually goes six-plus a little more than you think. He never goes seven. He never goes eight. But if you look at it, him and Montgomery both had pretty much the same percentage of starts, go six-plus innings. So he, he can go 6+, plus, which in today's day and age is pretty much all you get from any starting pitcher. He'll never go 7, he'll never go 8. I get that. Montgomery could give you 7 or 8 on a given night. But when he was good this year, he pretty much always gave you at least 6. I think the innings thing has been a little overblown. It's definitely a talking point. It's definitely a concern. Montgomery is one hundred percent more reliable, probably give you more innings, probably go deeper into games more consistently. But I do think it's a little overblown like the like the guy just absolutely doesn't ever give you innings and can never go into the like starting pitchers go six innings nowadays. It doesn't it I, I don't it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers others. But I just didn't like the idea of him being a West Coast guy, some of the just the feel for him. When he when he was talking of complaining about COVID during the like the video game thing, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Not that I care about his opinions on it or dislike him for his opinions on it or anything like that, but it just seemed like it could he just seemed, I don't know. I, I just wasn't sure he was a, a guy who would fit here in New York. But the more I think about it and the more I talk myself into the idea of twenty twenty four being the year. The Yankees need to be all in on this year. You do not, and everyone said this over the last two days, you do not go out and trade Juan Soto. Trade for Juan Soto. Bring him here knowing that there is a good possibility this is the only year you have him in your uniform. You do not just stop making moves because, hey, this doesn't quite fit. I don't know if I love this guy. It's a big contract. It gives someone a walk so much, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm looking to get the best pitching staff I can for next year, and I'll deal with the ramifications of it. I'll deal with the ramifications of it. And as much as I trust Montgomery, and as much as Montgomery, in my mind, still fits better long term, and probably, I would imagine, be a little bit cheaper per year than Snell will be coming off his second Cy Young, and I, and I like Montgomery better overall as a fit. If you're asking my honest opinion, who which top of the rotation do I like better next year, Cole, Snell, or Cole, Montgomery, next year I like Cole, Snell better. I still think Snell is the more dominant pitcher. I don't know I, I said this yesterday, everyone was like, oh, well, real insightful, he won the Cy Young. I, I think a lot of people think Montgomery's better. Snell walks a lot of guys. Snell had the one good year, yeah, but... Can, like. You know what you're getting with Montgomery. Montgomery is going to be a starting pitcher who makes all his starts. He's going to give you a 3-5 to 3-3 ERA, somewhere around there. He's going to be reliable, and then in the big game, you trust him. That's pretty valuable, as opposed to Snell, who might have a 2.2 ERA might have a 4.5 ERA, and walk the ballpark. And in Yankee Stadium, you walk the ballpark, you give up one home run. Now you've given up three, four, four runs instead of, you know, one. So there are some... There are some concerns, but coming off last year I do think he clicked into something in the second half and and particularly in the second half where he was just brilliant. I still think I want the most dominant and for next year I would think Snell's the most dominant. Now can they get creative in how many years they give him or you know opt-outs early in his contract, something like that? I'd be all up I'd be all in for that figure out a way to get out of this thing in two three years or give him the option to get out of it in two three years hundred would love it I don't know if it's plausible I don't know how it works but I was dead set against him going into it I wanted I wanted Yamamoto then I wanted burns then I would take Montgomery though that was the 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 pecking order for me I didn't really trust Snell didn't want Snell didn't feel like Snell fit but now as reports are he's interested in being a Yankee, as reports are that Cole is all in on going to get Snell, as reports have been that him and Judge are close. Like, if Judge and Cole have as much say over the organization as we think they do, then Snell is a legitimate possibility here moving forward, and I'm starting to talk my myself into the idea that maybe that's not a negative thing that I thought it might have been. Because ultimately, it's about next year. And if he gives you what he gave you last year, and you have both Cy Young Award winners on your staff to go along with hopefully a Rodon that improves and reverts back to what he was a couple years ago, same thing for Nesta Cortez, now all of a sudden, I have a dangerous top of the rotation if I can figure it out. And that's what I want. I'll take my chances that 2024 becomes an all-out, tremendous year. That's what I'm looking for. And I'll, I'll deal with the ramifications later. Because I do think Montgomery gives you less ramifications. There's less baggage. There's less to worry about. Montgomery's solid. Montgomery's going to be solid for the next handful of years. Snell could be an absolute disaster. But Snell, I still do think, gives you the best chance to be the best team next year. And I'm willing to do it. 877-337-6666. Let's get back to the calls. Jim in Stratford. What's up, Jim? Hey, what's up?
1: It's Chris, right?
0: It is Chris, yes. Chris
1: McMonagle. Yeah. That's
0: it. You're very familiar with me. What's up? Oh,
1: yeah, I'm familiar with all you guys. And uh, you're, you're a nice, relaxing voice at this hour. I don't even know what hour it is. is it one? Yeah, one, who knows? Like I don't know. I'm not I sure just, what time it is. <laughs> I was writing some notes down, and Lugie is like crystal meth and crack and hyper- Uh,
0: You're breaking up just as you were making fun of Lugie. That's a bummer.
1: Oh, hello? Hello, oh, You all right? right? You got that it. Better? Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. how's this? Can you hear me now? What? Uh, Hello. Yeah. Yeah. No, for real. Can I? Can you yes, hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you good. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, depending on my mood, and Luigi is is like crystal meth and crack and mm-hmm. hyperventilating into a paper bag, and you are more like Mary Jane in a Special K and, and a long deep. Wow. Breath of uh, cool, fresh air. That
0: thank you. I've never oh, been. Uh, I've never been referred rate. to. Uh, yeah, I've never been uh, compared to a drug before. I appreciate it.
1: But very, yeah, they're two different sides of the spectrum, and um, yeah, I'd rather. Right, well, now, now that have now that
0: we've established that. Um, so yeah,
1: but your whole thing about simple and effective—you were talking about the. Um, the golf ball in the the door, like who the hell knew that reality TV, like the things that would find the human race interesting to one another, uh-huh. w- would would hold interest for so long, and, and never mind make money, uh, for for people, like it's unbelievable. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, well, reality TV is a, a little bit different than what I'm talking about. I understand your point uh, mm-hmm. on some level, just relationships and real. Uh, you know, but reality TV is so hard yes. to find the reality in sometimes. True, um, true.
1: I guess I'm more talking, like, there could be a YouTube channel on, right. you know, cooking strawberries. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: that's true. And it becomes big. You're right. There's a, you know, a video, all the different yeah, there's a recipe, that, a recipe you know? thing. Like uh, It's become popular with kids watching videos of other kids' open toys. And, yes, yes, like, yes, Yeah, exactly. like, uh, agreed, it's, it's, it's different, it's unique. Um, a, and I'm surprised. Defense, yeah, but like, right. yeah, Barstool with this with with this one thing with the golf simulator. And thank you for the call. With the golf simulator, they tapped into something um, very simplistic about accomplishing something, like and something s- silly, like a hole in one. Who would spend two and a, a day and a half and two thousand golf swings just to say they got a hole in one on a simulator? Like, who would do that? But you know, when you have a bunch of guys together doing stupid stuff, throwing, I don't know quarters into a hole, like literally anything You've, you yeah I, I remember as a kid, I would find all these stupid things to do. I remember you know playing you know doing bowling with toothpicks and electric tape like you, you would just end up finding something and just trying to accomplish that goal of, of silliness, of just trying to, oh, can you, that fell just right. I bet you could like, and right now the water bottles, right? You flip the water bottle, or, or there's all these trick shots. People are doing all trick shots online, um, where they they come up with ridiculous things where they throw a dart with a cup attached, and just as they throw the dart, they also throw a ping pong ball, and it, the dart lands, the cup lands, the ping pong ball goes into the cup. They go crazy, like, well, it's just what is it, dude? Perfect, isn't that the name of that group that do, does all the trick shots and stuff like that, like? It's just, a, it's, it's funny to me how appealing that can be. And the idea that this guy didn't give up and he went for 36 hours trying to do it. And we all tapped into it and watched it. It's, it's just funny to me. And it reminded me of that night in Montauk, just drinking with the guys, trying to throw a golf ball through a door. And it just, it stuck with me. Jake in Brooklyn, what's up, Jake. Hey, how are you, Big Mac? Love the show. Thank you, buddy. How are you, man? How's your Friday? Oh, yeah. How's your Friday morning Amazing. going? Amazing.
2: Amazing. I wouldn't compare you to a drug, but you definitely a, you're you're a nice late night host. I like that. Well,
0: thank you very much. I try to. I bring passion at times. I also. I mean, yeah. it's it's not bad to have the the soothing pipes that I was so, born with.
2: Yeah, you think you think that they'll be able to play pay Blake Bell. He's going to take a big contract. you think they're going to be able yeah. to pay him after they want to pay Soto next year?
0: Yes. I still think they can do that, yes.
2: I think they're going to— Blake Snell's going to want a 10-year contract. I mean, if— uh, I don't think he's going to want a 10-year
0: contract. No. He's not going to want a 10-year contract. He's not— I don't think— You he's
2: going to want
0: something big? Yeah, seven. He's going to want a seven-year contract.
2: If he goes to the Yankees, that's it. I'm, done. I'm a Mets fan. I'm, I'm not liking this offseason. And if they got <laughs> Soto and Blake Snell, I'm hiding under the covers for this year.
0: Um, well, listen, be uh, prepared. They're going to get – I mean, listen, you don't know. I know I, I get a lot of calls that still, despite getting Soto, and maybe for a moment they, li- they they reverted back to feeling okay about Hal and Cash. But there are a lot of Yankee fans who now are convinced – I think Keith is one of them – that they're not going to do anything, that they're going to do the small moves that they did earlier today and bringing in, uh, you know, pitches you never heard of and, 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 and hoping that something sticks. And thank you for the call, Jake. Uh, but – I think they're going to do something big because they have no choice. Like and big, I don't know if big is still on the table. Like I think trading for Burns is big, and I and I I like Bieber. I think Bieber is not the same pitcher he was in twenty twenty, where he really emerged in that short season. Um, he's he's still pretty good, but he's not the the stud stud that in my mind Burns is. But I'd be open to that too, because Bieber could be you know and it's someone who i would who worked with Blake in Cleveland he might revert back to being a big time uh pitcher for the Yankees but i would be more open to those cuz i don't have to pay them long term i can let them leave if it doesn't work out or you know i don't want to give S- snell a long term contract it's not ideal for me i agree with you i think they can afford to do it i don't think it's going to stop them from doing it but i think they're better suited for a, a, a um to trade for a burns and not have to worry about that contract and go all in for this year and then worry about next year, next year. As opposed to worrying about whether or not Snell's worthy of the contract next year. Um, but I expect them to do something because they went all in with that Soto move. There is no guarantee he stays there. Right? I mean, all the flack, at least, uh, I, at least I'm giving him. I'm not sure how much flack the fan base is actually giving Uh, cautious Cohen right now. But He might feel forced to go make a move. If they do nothing this year and the Mets have a poor season, he might feel like, I got to go get Juan Soto. But I don't know. I thought he felt like he got to go get Yamamoto. He didn't do that. So we'll see. But there's no guarantee that the Yankees can can have Soto pass next year. You have got to be all in. You cannot trade for Soto, lose him, and not give this team the best chance to win. People think you can't trade Soto and lose him, period. But you certainly can't trade for him end the offseason there, go into the season with a question mark rotation, and then not win with them and then see them leave. Like You have to give yourself a chance to be the best team in the American League. Like you have, to, you have to put yourself in a position where, on paper, you're the best team in the American League. And right now they're not. And they need another pitcher desperately. So whether it's Montgomery, whether it's Snell, as it appeared to be earlier today, or at least that's the one they're most in on or if you believe Ken Rosenthal for about from about an hour ago that they're now in on Dylan Cease with Chicago they need to do something to get a legitimate top 2 or 3 bare minimum pitcher in this rotation they have got to go get a pitcher who ta- who supplants cortez who supplants possibly um Rodon as the number two or three starter in this rotation, bare minimum. You cannot go out and get someone who might be good enough to be the fifth starter. Not good enough. They need a top of the rotation, number two starter in a postseason series. Like That's what they need. They need that guy right behind Cole. So whether it's Montgomery, whether it's Snell, whether it's Cease, whether it's Burns, whether it's Bieber, whether it's Lazardo, who might actually be better than I think and, and could be someone who really emerges a young starting pitcher with control who has a 3-4 ERA and, and pitch well for Miami. Like, all right, I'm open to that too. Maybe it's someone we're not even thinking about. But they've got to go get a legitimate pitcher to add to this rotation. They have no choice. They have no choice. It may, it's foolish. It's foolish to go get Soto and not give yourself a chance at a good rotation and a chance to be the premier and the favorite team in the American League to go to the World Series. That's what you have to do this year. You've you've made that decision when you went gung ho for Soto. Now it's finished the job. But thankfully, these pitchers are still here. Like, that's the thing. Like, we're all talking about it. It's speculation. I can't yell. I can't scream. I can't go nuts. They're still available. Everybody's waiting to see if the price comes down. Everybody's waiting to see. All these one-year deals are killing it. You know, giving $13 million for Severino and then giving $16 million for Montas. Like the Reds just $16 million for a guy who pitched 40 innings over the last two years. Like, what do you think Snell's gonna look at? Yamamoto's getting all this money. The pitching market's crazy right now. So I think people are waiting for Snell and Montgomery to come down to earth. But right now, they have the biggest agent in the world, and he's asking for the moon stars. So it's not over. They still have these guys available, but we wait, and we wait. The Yankees have no choice. They have to add a starting pitch. Call us 877 337 6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. Losing control by the hour. All right, 141. Mick Monagel here with you. Singing Genesis. Why not? Who doesn't love Phil Collins? I ask you. I know that's not the Genesis version. I don't care. 877-337-6666. Come on and give me a call. It's a football Friday. We're talking football. We're talking baseball as well as the Yankees trying to figure out which pitcher they're most in on. Do you believe Rosenthal? Is it Dylan Cease out of of Chicago and the White Sox? Do you believe Andy Martino? That they're focusing in on Blake Snell? Do you believe Jack Curry and the Yankee Hot Stove Show that make you think it's more like Montgomery? I don't know. Which way do we go? Which way did they go, George? Which way did they go? And for the Mets, are they going to do anything? Are they looking to go any way in particular? As they just continue to peel off... Yankee castoffs, and again, I like Bader. I, I I continue to defend that trade, the Montgomery trade. It wasn't a good trade. I don't like that trade. I hated it, in fact, when it first was made, hated it. But I just have a tough time using it as some example of Brian Cashman's stupidity when Bader had a 1.2 OPS and was their most dom- was their best hitter for a postseason run. With a team that won 99 games and you were trying to win a championship. With, and they did need an outfielder more than they needed another pitcher. So it's not a good trade, but it's it's far from one that just keeps me up at night. For, for a year and a half of Montgomery, they could get him back. And let's be honest, here's another thing. Like I mentioned this a little bit the other day too about Montgomery having some sort of ill will. It was the best thing that ever happened to Montgomery. Because for whatever reason, and another thing that I don't kill the Yankees for because in particular I think uh, uh, the pitching coach uh, Blake has done an incredible job, but it wasn't it wasn't working here with him. He was an okay average pitcher. He got better when he left. He figured out something in 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 uh, St. Louis. They allowed him to do some things he wanted to do, and and you know tapped into something, and he's been better. And he was better in Texas. He would not be up for this contract had he not got traded. I would think that would temper. I would think that would temper any sort of hatred he has towards the Yankees considering how well it's worked out for him that he got traded. Plus the idea that they're very interested in him and they're willing to pay him the money and he's comfortable here and he knows a lot of the people here and nobody's going to tell him how to pitch anymore. He just earned himself a $200 million contract or whatever it's going to be, $160, $170. So I don't know. Which one? Which one will it be for the New York Yankees? And as far as the football teams, let's do, let's continue to do what we do best and lose. Aaron in Hackensack. What's up, Aaron?
2: Hey, how's it going? Thank you for picking up.
0: Oh, man, thank you for calling. I appreciate it. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, man. Um, Love hearing you talk about baseball, but I kind of want to switch it up to some football. Please. Um, This thought in my head has been driving me crazy, and I need someone to bounce some ideas off. Sure. Should the Giants Mm -hmm. take Michael Pinnock Jr. off the board with their first pick? And trade back up and get his number one target, Romeo Dunze. Um, and make sort of like how they did with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Yeah. They gave him his best receiver kind of thing.
0: Right, right. That was two different years, though, right? That wasn't the same draft. Um,
2: I don't think they were in the same draft. No.
0: Um, uh, Tough, right? I, I, yeah, Tough. I mean, listen, I don't, I, I don't know. I'll be totally honest with you. I, I, I haven't, I, I haven't started that kind of level of prep. I didn't watch that every single Washington game. Uh, I can't tell you exactly what I feel about him, but I'll tell you what I okay. as far as as far as Penix, right? Yeah, I would if if Dable likes him. I don't care where people think he's going to go. I don't care – oh, like remember Daniel Jones. It was all – you drafted him six. They had the 15th pick that they took Dexter Lawrence with. But it was like, oh, you could have taken someone – you could have taken Josh Allen, the pass rusher at six, and then gotten Daniel Jones at 15 or this. Like, oh, Penix might fall later. You could trade back and still get Pennix. No, I don't agree with that. If they think he's the best quarterback available and they like him, Whenever they pick, pull the trigger. then you pull the trigger. I don't care. I'm not messing around. I don't. I don't have to play games with it. So if you're asking me, should they take Penix with that first pick? If they believe in him and he's the best quarterback available, and they believe in him, then 100 percent they should. And then if they think, you know, if it falls, if he falls to them later in the draft, or they can work something out and they believe in the tandem, I'm open for that. I'm open for that. They, God knows, they need weapons. And to give him someone he's comfortable with, as long as he grades out and he's worth the move, I- I'm okay with it. But I'm I'm more concerned about the quarterback. So your initial question right. to me is just: Should they take Michael Penix? If they have, so let's let's say everything stays status quo, everybody loses, and the Giants are the fifth pick. If he's there yeah. at five and they believe in him, I take him 100. I will be happy. I'm telling you right now, I will I will be dancing around my living room if the Giants right. if the Giants draft Michael Penix at the fifth overall pick.
2: And dude, when you see him play, when you do go and look at his tape, yeah, you can't tell me he doesn't look like Warren Moon Part Two.
0: I could see that. I could see that, and I'm telling you right now. Listen, he was. I I could see that a little bit. Uh, you know, listen, he's a little bit older. He does have some uh, knee injuries. He has some injury issues. Uh, he's not. He's athletic, but he's not. I mean, he's mobile, but he's not extremely athletic. I could see the Warren Moon comparison. He threw a but great deep, deep ball,
2: throw and that great deep crazy. throw,
0: great deep throw, great ball coming out of his hand, no doubt. And he threw a couple that were just perfect. Uh, and now, yes. if he wins that game, and then he goes and beats Michigan as a four and a half point underdog in the national championship game, he's going to thrust himself into that conversation. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and well, I hope and, we get him. <laughs> and uh, I, well, listen, Aaron, I, I hope I hope they do too. I'll be honest with you, I hope they do too. And it's not necessarily – this, is, and it's not because I love Penix and I, he's, he's my favorite quarterback and that's who I would get and that's not even why I'm saying it. If they – I want them to draft a quarterback and I will have faith in them thinking, you know, getting the right guy. I will have faith in them drafting the right quarterback. So whoever they take with that fifth pick, that fourth pick, that third pick, whomever, if the Giants draft a quarterback with that first overall pick – I don't care who it is. I mean, I'd be surprised, like if it's J.J. McCarthy, for example, I just mentioned the Michigan game. I'd be surprised if it's J.J. McCarthy. I I wouldn't think he's he's a top-five pick, but you know what? I'll stay true to my word. If they draft a quarterback who nobody has, if they leave Mel Kuyper and everybody else in that entire building scratching their head with the quarterback they took fifth overall, I don't care. I will be ecstatic. Because I have faith that Dable knows what he's doing. That's the it's the one he was hired just for this. So I'm all in. I'm all in with whoever they take. I honestly I don't care who it is. I don't care if everybody else had him as a second grade the second round grade. I don't care. Whomever they draft, if it's a quarterback, which it better be, I will be thrilled because I will trust that Dable knows what he's doing. I will trust that he sees something he can work with. I trust they would not take that pick lightly and that they took the player they needed and knew and know that can be their guy. That's good enough for me. It might end up being a disaster, and it'll cost them all their jobs. And then we'll go back to square one, and we'll add his name to the list of so many others that have bombed out here. But I'm willing to take a chance. Take a chance on me. You have to. You have to take the chance. It's silly not to. They they need the quarterback, and I, again, I can't stand. I can't. Sta- I, I just. I can't stand the idea. And the thought process, of the Giants roster, is not ready for a quarterback. It drives me absolutely nuts. And the thing with Michael Penix, too, let's be fair, the one thing about my, we talk about the offensive line, which, listen, is weak. I still think you draft the quarterback and then go about fixing the offensive line. You don't do it the other way around. Uh, You got to make sure you have the quarterback. Then you can fix the offensive line. Theoretically, you could do it all, you know, in one draft, one offseason. That'd be great. Um, But I'm certainly not looking to draft a tackle not knowing who my quarterback is. I can't do that. I can't do that. So it's a quarterback. But having said that, I do have concerns about the offensive line. Not, I'm not an idiot. I mean, the offensive line's bad. It needs to improve. And the problem with Penix is he's left-handed. And right now, they don't have a right tackle you trust. They just drafted a seventh overall pick. You know, everyone tells me it's a drafting a quarterback's a crapshoot. Well, the seventh overall pick was an offensive tackle, and how's that turned out? I think that's a pretty good crapshoot without the shoot. That's what we've gotten from Evan Neal at the right tackle position. Can I ask a, a silly question here? Fleeks, you can help me with this for a second. Let me bother you for a minute. If they draft Michael Penix, is it a stupid proposition, considering he's left-handed, to switch and move Andrew Thomas to right tackle to protect his blind his side? Is that is it such a different position that it would be unfair and you don't know what you would get? And theoretically, you'd be hurting two positions then by moving him from left tackle to right tackle? Or do you trust Andrew Thomas enough and the idea of now my quarterback's left-handed, I need to protect the opposite side? Would you be open to that? Does that make sense? Or do you just dismiss that offhand? I don't dismiss it offhand. I don't know if I lean that way, but I don't think it's a
1: ridiculous conversation to have. You start with talking with Andrew Thomas and you know, right. do you think he will translate moving over to the right side? Is it something he wants to do and then obviously how are you going to address the left tackle because even though the blind side is more important it might be easier to go out and find a right tackle than it would be to go out and find a left even with the better player right. playing on the quarterback's blind side.
0: Right. Yeah I mean it's just a thought because everyone I was you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading and t- I'm watching a couple different things and everyone's like well the right tackle position the right tackle position. I'm like well they do have one of the best tackles in the game. I mean and when he's healthy he's the top at least five, six tackle in the sport, Like you could transition him to block on that side of the ball and defend his blind side. But So that's an issue, especially with a left-handed quarterback. Right now, the right tackle position is a disaster. The offensive line a disaster in general, but a, nor- a right-handed quarterback, at least we have a left tackle for him. Step one for the Giants might just be get four to five
1: competent linemen.
0: Right. Might help. Mm-hmm. Preferably ones who can stay healthy. That helps, too. Jets have that issue as well. Um, But, yeah, they need to revamp the offensive line. You need to go get them weapons. You need to help the young quarterback, no doubt about it. But you do not start a roster by, you know, putting everything around it and then hope you can find the quarterback. They've fallen into it. You take them. You take them. 877-337-6666. All right, we're flying right through our midnight ride. Two hours down, three more to go. Got you till 5 o'clock on this Football Friday. Um, Typically, we go around the league a little bit, but I mean, all we could talk about is how many quarterbacks are not playing. Uh, We'll have picks later in the the show, um, and we'll have some fun with the football, but it's kind of Giants tanking. What's best for the Jets in this rivalry weekend? One last kick in the junk on how unfortunate the season is going to end against our rivalries, particularly for the Giants, knowing that. It's in their best interest to lose this football game, and it sucks. And that's what the talk was all week. All week we talked about the future, but yet when it, like you talk about what's Saquon Barkley going to do, what's uh, you know what's going to happen with Wink Martindale? Is he going to be back? Is you know Shepard saying goodbye? Like the talk of the and even for the Jets, what was the talk? We could have done better with Zach Wilson uh, um, or uh, Aaron Rodgers talking to Pat McAfee. None of it's about the game. Why? Because the game doesn't matter. No, no no you know no uh uh reporter was asking questions necessarily about how you go out there and beat the eagles because it doesn't matter so don't act like it does when you turn on your TV at one o'clock it doesn't